0: On this episode of AV Week, we are coming to you from the offices and studios of AV Magazine. Neto and I are over here in the UK. Mike Blackman and Clive Coldwell joins us as we talk Brexit and the impact it will have on both the UK, European, and US integrators. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This, this. This. This is, is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 425, recorded Friday, October 11th, 2019. Live from London.
1: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED innovative audio solutions for every business environment and by kramer av beyond the box and by daylight the leading producer of high quality projection screens worldwide
0: this is av week your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information my name is tim albright i am your host even if you're listening to this i sound a little different if you're watching obviously i look slightly different um or at least in a different location we are coming to you from the AV Magazine uh, offices, so thank you very much. Uh, we're, uh, Chris Netto and I are here in London uh, for the AV Magazine Awards, uh, night 2019. Uh, we are we, hosting those tonight, we're recording this on Friday, AV Week will post on Monday, so by the time you see this, or hear this, actually Netto and I will be back in New York, don't ask. Uh, with me to discuss all the news and information of the week. Uh, first and foremost, our host uh, for this week, uh, Mr. Clive Caldwell, thank you, sir.
2: Hello. Welcome to our new studio. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Fantastic acoustics. Uh, David Brilliant that, videographer.
0: David said that we're, we're this is the, the first thing we've ever shot in here. You've ever shot Exactly. In here. Well, well people
2: go. can't hear us scream from the outside. Well, that, that's helpful. We're, we're, we're soundproofed,
0: Especially so we can do anything the we guy like. next to you, because yeah. he'll make us scream. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mike <laughs> Blackman uh, from ISE. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for the invitation again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike's in <laughs> time, obviously, for the, the, the awards tonight. And my, uh, my cohort for the week, Mr. Chris Nitto.
3: How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've had 48-plus hours of Tim Albright, so...
0: Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've been here since Sunday. I got to go see the Bears game uh, at Tottenham. Fantastic experience, oh, just right. for the record.
1: Actually, you shouldn't mention Tottenham here at the moment. Okay. Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, FC Bayern beat them, beat them with cricket scores. Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> so we've got cricket, we've got football, and we've got football. Okay. I'm but clear. they've got a great stadium. I can only really talk there. about it. Was <laughs> it is a gorgeous stadium. It's a gorgeous stadium. As a Bears fan, not a great ending. But the one thing I, I was fascinated by was is, is the technology. Um, my understanding is Dectronics did the, the ribbon around the stadium. The NFL brought in uh, the Raiders team because it was a Raiders home game. And the graphics, the, the content was seamless. It did not feel like it was cut and paste, right? Mm. Like they had taken the time. To really kind of utilize the the technology in the in Tottenham uh, Stadium to really make it feel like a home game as much as you can the boys are going to be at the AV
2: Awards they've got a table okay and they're gonna be AV Awards night so we'll, we'll try and catch up with everything else but it's they've had to produce something that's just slick yeah. prevents everybody from seeing footy on their television at home and it offers an amazing experience I think was. they've absolutely spent a lot of time and effort into delivering that really
0: yeah uh, Mike, we'll start with you on this actually, uh, just about a week ago, this is the 11th of October, uh, if my calendar, uh, both mentally and, and is, and physically is right, about a week ago, 10 days ago, October 1, uh, ISE registration opened last year in Amsterdam. Um, my, Chris and I have, have been, uh, we've been going, this will be our fifth or sixth year okay. covering it For, real quickly. Um, what does it mean kind of going into it as, as, um, both from the, the European standpoint, but also from North American uh, integrators that, that are looking to come over. You know, what's one of the one or two things that you're looking forward to? As this, you know, not just the last year in Amsterdam, but it's still an ISC. Yeah. So, what are you looking forward to?
1: I mean, firstly, Amsterdam has been great for us. It really has. We, you know, it's helped us. Uh, it's been part of the ingredient that's actually helped make he successful as a, as a venue and location. You know, one thing we look at every show is actually saying, when guys come away, when everybody comes away from home, to do business for a week, you need somewhere where you say, well, that's a fun place to go to as well. Uh, And the result is all the industry creates events around the whole show. And Amsterdam's been a really good host for that. So ISE is not just the exhibition. It's everything that goes on around it from, you know, people who get in the weekend before to only the weekend afterwards. I walk around the city at the weekend and I see I'm saying hi to everybody. I can't go incognito. Um, So, you know, we're sad to leave for that reason, but we've outgrown the city. Um, I think my, my famous words when we did the announcement was that, you know, we've had a great home, but we've outgrown it. We need a bigger mm-hmm. bigger house and a bigger yard. And that's what we've got in Barcelona. So we're sad to leave it. We've had some great memories, some great shows there. It's been a tremendous event and we're going to go out with a bang. We're not going to wreck the place, but uh, <laughs> we're, um, we're really going to make sure that uh, this is the best ISE ever uh, until now. Yeah. And then uh, we're building up from that to the new venue which has given us so much potential for growth and creating a new show. Um, one, one of the things that we've been, that's happened is we've had to squeeze in and we've built the show and we've had a bit there and a bit there and a bit here and the show's got too big to get around in the whole show. So we now we have to focus sectors uh, and Going to Barcelona gives us the opportunity now to actually say, let's create one area where we've got all the digital signage, one area where we've got residential. Um, You're gonna see a lot of um, live events, uh, some new things for Pro Audio. We haven't been able to actually create demo rooms for Pro Audio uh, Mm. sector, and we have that opportunity now. So a lot of new things we're doing. We're really trying to revamp what we're doing and offer the industry what it wants in terms of the new show in Barcelona.
0: All right, very cool. Uh, You guys have also started uh, creating uh, small sections and shows around uh, IEC as well. So. Absolutely. This year, um, you know, we branched out
1: to having a bit of the show in the Accora Hotel just up yep. the road. So you'll see most of the conferences being run there and uh, quite a lot of special events, hosted event from events from manufacturers. So, you know, building up the whole thing, uh, I always said at the very beginning when we started ISE, it has to be more than an exhibition, it has to be an event. Yeah. And uh, everyone else contributing to that, um, uh, the, the, you know, what's going on, um, the, not just on the show floor, has actually contributed to that. So we've actually brought out uh, some other locations uh, where there are events going on. There are, I mean, you'd be amazed at how many. Um, non exhibitors are creating events for their customers to come to Amsterdam yeah. and then saying, well, let's have a dinner here or um, you, know, well, you guys do something as well. You do a drinks event, don't you, somewhere? Um, yes, I'm never, I'm not, I can never remember where that is.
2: It's somewhere, somewhere I'm somewhere inviting fluid. you all
1: to Clive's drinks event. It's yeah, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere fluid. Typically
0: in, in, your, in your booth, though, is it, yeah. it, is as really well.
2: It's like everywhere, it. but it you yeah. can yeah. be in the booth, yes. Yeah. 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 We, we try and be incognito so people don't remember where they've been. But, other. but on in, this Barcelona in space in
0: the fifteen different
2: <laughs> halls, it is kind of easy to do that. But on this Barcelona thing, it, it, it's fantastic. The Catalans are going to love yeah, it. The Spanish did. are going to be flocking in by their thousands. It, having been there for both Formula One reporting and coverage and the big telecom shows, I had there were there were so, there were so, so few hotels left. Oh. I had to stay in a boat in the harbour. I also went there to cover the Barcelona Olympics, so I know what, what large groups do in Barcelona. But you've got to go to these big venues, especially the big engineering shows, to see how the big venues are so beautifully managed and big and accommodate. You know, you, you, some of these companies don't know what they can do until they get into a big venue. So I think it's going to absolutely transform. I see into a, a, absolutely a very different event actually. So I can't yeah. wait and can give the manufacturers some <clears throat> some space
1: to play with. Space to maneuver, Well, actually, exactly. what we've been doing in the last months <laughs> is uh, taking most of the um, the top exhibitors. Uh, so we did an event back in May where we took the top 200 ISE exhibitors, we invited them to Barcelona, we hosted them there, we showed them the venue, we showed them the city, and we did a big uh, uh, evening event for them just to show what it has to offer. So these guys start to get a bit of an idea of, OK, this is what we can do here, this is what the venue looks like, but here's the rest of the city. Uh, and I already know about things which, uh, m- m- well, I've got a list of all the hotels that have been booked by all the companies so far, and uh, everyone's starting to plan this is going to be our headquarters now and uh this is where we're going to be and uh you know they've now got the opportunity to actually say uh, one you know when when the when, the, when our major uh, exhibitors come in with a couple of hundred people and they've split them all over the town you know they want to bring them together mm. so now you know we're trying to help them with that by putting them in touch uh, we've blocked all the hotels in the city through through the convention bureau to actually give them opportunity and lock down the prices so that we don't get this explosion of high prices uh, so, we're doing a lot of preparation on that, and that, but mostly getting everyone there beforehand to see what it's about. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Chris, uh, taking from a couple of different angles here, you've been with me, with me to ISE, you mm-hmm. also worked for an, an exhibitor, mm-hmm. you, now you work for a distributor. What does a move like this mean for those of us in the, in the U.S that are looking at this going, okay, this is this is Amsterdam this year, but Barcelona's next year, looking at it saying, okay, which way, am, or am I going to both years, you know, or am I making
3: a choice here? I don't think you're going to see a change. I think okay. the, uh, the, the, the American audience has bought in. Uh, they will come, you throw a party, we're showing up. Yeah, Sorry, certainly. it's... Kind of the way it works nowadays. Clive's paying for the drinks. That's it. Days. He's <laughs> got yes. the tab, so we're oh, all. Oh, right. I will remember <laughs> having done <an> <laughs> it afterwards. But we're recording this. so. <laughs> that's we on record, away, please. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, for the for the for the American audience uh, that uh, that's listening to the podcast and going, you know, is this going to change? It's not going to change a thing. For the integrators, the manufacturers, the integrators are still going. ISE has done something uh, very nice for the industry in the sense that that's where you're getting a lot of those. Early product announcements are being done there.
0: Well, There's over 250 last year, Mike. Uh, even more than
1: that, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. that's that's they're just the ones we know about. Okay. Uh, and uh, um, you know, I think we've been lucky because of the timing. You know, being at the beginning of the year, um, display companies are launching consumer products uh, at uh, CES, yeah. and then they're coming to us with the professional versions, uh, or sometimes some of the same things. Um, but you know, that start of the year. You know, when we started, all the product announcements used to be in June at Infocom and then slowly everyone started moving their r&d around to actually doing a lot of announcements uh, uh particularly for the european market in uh, in january and but even even with that i actually spoke to some integrators once that said you know um, american integrators i uh, met on the show floor and i said what are you doing here you know we we have this really great show in the us uh, uh i said yeah but we go there as well but um we have to keep you ahead of the market. And there's so much happening throughout the year. We need to be at ISE in January. And a lot of
0: them are actually doing international business as well, so. Well, and the other part of that is we were talking with uh, Jeremy Caldera from IAS <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy has, uh, he's done he's in leadership in Invicta in, in as well. But he made the comment, he said, I go to ISE now so I can get work done. Because if you're a volunteer with Avexa, your, your mm-hmm. Infocom is is taken up, and and vendors want to meet with you and this and there because they look at, at at Infocom as the place where you have meetings with Jeremy, right? Because yep. he's a U.S. Uh, integrator. He goes to ISe so he can roam the floor, so he can mm-hmm. be a,
3: a, a, an attendee, uh, and you know, kind of ebb and flow, and, and kind of see what's going on. So yeah. Yeah, for the most part, most integrators and even the manufacturers, at least at Infocom, has always been the meetings, right? So, yes, there's an education component to it, but, you know, the the behind-the-scenes is you're setting up meetings and client meetings. That's why I think Vegas is very successful for Infocom, me personally thinking that, because you have a lot of different places Mm. where you can take people out for dinners and to do product, uh, you know, product briefs or a lunch and learn during the show itself. So it's an important cog of how business is done aside from the actual show. So if you have those spaces and Barcelona will provide that. You have the spaces to host, you know, you can bring in the celebrity CEO of the company who is going to, you know, possibly reveal something interesting that will change how integrators are going to do business. Yeah. You're seeing that at, at InfoCom and those are kind of the unadvertised stuff that happens in the back, but you're, you know, you're you're bringing that to IAC as well. And one of the things that uh, I am a fan of with ISE is that for the last couple of years, uh, excuse me, not a couple of years, for at least 10 years, uh, products and mindset is very much influenced by the residential side. And I'm a commercial guy through and through. But I go home and I have an Alexa. Mm-hmm. So, in a place where I can see where the trends are coming from on the residential side, because my executives go home, right? Whether I'm a distributor, manufacturer, or an integrator, this the person who signs the checks for my technology to be installed goes home and turns on his phone, and the lights are on, checks to see if his car is in the, still in the driveway, yeah. depends on where he lives, uh, And <laughs> he t- asks Alexa where the, where the weather is, and then will the next day <laughs> go into the office, and I'm a former technology manager, and ask if they can integrate Alexa into the HVAC system of yep. a major corporation. Nah, not my not what I would suggest, but... I saw that. I saw that happening 10 years ago. Mm. So to be in a place where I can go and speak to a residential integrator and say, how are you guys handling this? How do you handle security? Which is much different. Oh, yeah. But at least you can physically see it. Because what's what are me and you going to do? We're going go to go lo- to the local big box electronics mm. store, which everyone still remains open, and ask these questions. And maybe we'll get a 16-year-old who's going to tell us something, but they're not going to give us the information to the level that that, that would need. And yeah, you're exactly. not... And for the most part, at a commercial show, you're not going to get those conversations, but at ISE you will. Because so. they, because of the cross mm-hmm. pollination between yeah. the yeah. So that's a that's a to me that's a, a major a point of attraction to a show like that, yeah. combining the two. All right, um,
0: February 11th through the 14th, yeah, the uh, ISE Europe, uh, is Europe, Europe. Dot org to register. So I want to switch this up, up a bit. We uh, Chris and I are in, are in the UK. Um, I'm not going to get into politics you guys do you know talk about what how do I um, But there there is there are business ramifications to what's going on in, inside the UK today Supposedly, Yes, um, Boris Johnson your prime minister uh, actually met with the the Irish uh, Leader uh, yesterday. Indeed, yes. There was pictures all over the front mr. Pages. Radke. Yeah, he has set a deadline for October 31st to mm. Remove the UK. Yes from the European Union. You guys call it brexit. Yeah, Obviously, you know, Chris and I still under, trying to understand the it's, whole
2: thing. It's going to replace Monopoly as a new board game. <laughs> Apparently, yes.
0: <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> there's never an ending, but, but it's, there, it's a great is, process there, all the way There's a it. real business impact here to the AV community. Uh, I've talked with, with AV um, manufacturers over the last year who are actively uh, op- pursuing other offices outside of London. Yes. Or outside of, of, of the UK in general. Yes. Um, some of them are going to Paris. Some of them are going to Amsterdam. Um, but that they're not—they're not removing themselves completely from the UK, but they're making preparations to to negate some of this impact. Yes. How are you guys looking at this, and, and, and what's the impact that you're seeing?
2: I asked these people two years ago what they were doing, and they were they were planning quite a long time ago. They have an interchangeable system. It takes two minutes to move your, your chain around and move your offices around. And okay. It's no big deal to the, the the larger AV companies. It is to the smaller ones because they're having to buy product and everything else. They put their inventory on hold, and there may well, well be surprise problems for the smaller companies, I would think. But the big boys have it planned. They're they're acting globally. They're telling me they're working globally. So I said, right, let's see them global now then. Yeah. And Brexit is a mere flick. You know, we've joined a common market, but the whole thing has become political. And that's not what we signed up for in a nutshell. So no one's reporting this accurately at the moment, but it is holding up trade. In, in a way that's that's underpinning the efficiency of it. But I think all the big boys have, have sussed this out a while back. Yeah, people are making noises because they, they'll use any excuse to alter their pricing or put their customers on the back foot. No one will ever say they're having an easy time, but they are that I would be disappointed if they hadn't made proper plans and already had it licked. Yeah. So they'll tell one, one side to the public and one side internally and they will be op- as far as I'm concerned most are operating pretty efficiently and to swap things around and have their, their, their supplies checked okay. because they're thinking globally. Very you good. got midwich thinking globally yeah. you got all these big companies w- working around the road when they, working around the road. they always have local glitches but yeah. you know nothing it's the smaller companies i feel for because they are vulnerable probably
0: yeah midwich I mean, you mentioned them they've made several purchases the last couple of years they have to kind of offset some of this and of they, they've got offices outside of the uk just through purchase and acquisition yes so. Mike, um, you've got a unique position here and, and you know. I'm um, a Brit sitting in Europe. Yeah? Exactly. You're, 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 <laughs> well, the you're Germans think we're nuts. So
2: they cannot see the point <laughs> at all of why we're, we're even well, bothering to do it. And if I'm you like,
1: look at it from my, you know, and I'm obviously seeing from the German point of view, because that's the newspapers I read and see, but I'm yes. reading the UK ones as well. Unfortunately, I, so I got a, I think I've got a balanced point of view. Of I'm course reading you both. Always balanced, yes. <laughs> um, I've got three points of view. The yeah. first one is my personal one, which is I'm starting to think, do I become a German citizen now to make my EU travel and... Uh... I thought you were, Mike. Mm-hmm. You see, I did this stupid You've thing. That's so stupid. But on, I kept yes. my British passport because I said, why do I need to change to a German passport? And now I'm getting to the stage where I'm thinking, maybe I should. But so that's the personal point of view. Mm. And I'm not worried about living in Germany or traveling back to the UK with a British passport. I worry about my travel in the rest of the European Union. Uh, you know, we've just opened up a Spanish company now, uh, and um, I'm starting to think, well, actually, how does that affect my British uh, status mm-hmm. uh, living in Germany as well? But those are issues I think will be quite solved quite easily. The main issues start actually on the business side, where we look at our ISE exhibitors. The first ISE we did in Geneva.
0: Mm.
1: Now as we know, Geneva's in Europe, but it's not in Europe. And I think the UK is going <laughs> to the same explain, position.
0: Explain that to the big dumb American here. So.
1: Geneva, Switzerland so is, in, is, is in physically in, geographically in Europe, yes. but it's not in the European Union. There we go. And so what actually happens is when it comes to actually moving goods around, you have to go through all this paperwork. And it was one of the biggest complaints we got from manufacturers coming from uh, everywhere else in Europe to exhibit a UK filling out these carnets and uh, paperwork. And we got so much flack for it. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So my concern now comes from all those U.K. exhibitors we have who will actually go through that same process again when coming to whether we stay in Amsterdam or, go, or yeah. to, you know, Barcelona, wherever we're going. They're going to have that issue of actually they have to fill out all that paperwork uh, um, to move their exhibits and their products into the exhibits and back yeah. again. We do as much as we can to try and facilitate. We're trying to work out with Barcelona uh, to actually um, we we think we've got a way maybe to make it a, a tax free zone for you know for some of the way, ways the paperwork's being done, but they still have to do the paperwork, and that, that we know is really a bane for a lot of people. Um, so that, that's the first part. What we've seen as well, and what we're hearing, is a lot of companies who have had some who are shipping from the U.S. or China or Japan, have had central warehousing in Europe. Um, most one, one of the easiest places to ship into in Europe, if you're going by sea, is Rotterdam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's the big shipping port in Europe. Uh, containers are coming in. They've got this automated, I mean, the whole thing's run by computers. Uh, don't don't walk around, you'll get run over. Right. <laughs> um, so they're now having to say, how do we deal with the UK and put additional facilities in the UK now to actually mm. deal with that? And the problem is, I don't think everyone has the, I don't think everybody has the solution yet. Everyone's working towards it to say, how do we deal with this? Or will we have to deal with this? Because um, those are issues that have not been solved. I hope. I really, really hope that uh, part of the whole settlement, whichever way it goes, but if it goes to the fact that the UK does Brexit, and what I'm hearing in the U- news this morning, uh, uh, the Irish backstop solution seems to be almost there, um, so if that happens, then I am thinking a Brexit will happen at the end of this month, um, and I think a lot of people are sitting in the air waiting to say, do we, do we stay or do we go?
0: Is it is as easy, easy as Clive said, where come November 1st, the companies that have their ducks in a row, that have yeah, their papers in order, I think so. they're just going to flip a switch?
2: Yeah, I think so. This, this whole thing's been, been um, I wouldn't say misreported, but the emphasis is all wrong. Uh, the most serious element of all this is what we do with with, with the Irish question. Mm-hmm. And, and after all those troubles. And real briefly, the Irish question for, again, well, uh, big dumb American. Well, um, uh, we have nor- Northern Ireland is part of the part, UK. Okay and we had the troubles with uh, independence, mm-hmm. with Southern Ireland and, and the border, and the Irish the Southern, wanted Ireland for Ireland, you know. But we're, we're stuck with all these hundreds of years of, of history, and we, we eventually came to agreement with, after all the terrorist troubles and everything else, that they would have a parliament and people would get self-governed and so on. Uh, in Stormont, we'd have a representative of everybody. That took years to achieve, and it was a huge agreement, and that is, to my mind, the most important thing we get right. And there has been some suspicion that the, uh, Leo Radka, who is the uh, the the, T-SOC, um, the the guy who rules Southern Ireland, has been playing his sort of card to keep us in Europe rather than keep out. And then now, really, we need to tackle it hard and stop messing about. We need to get a decent agreement on how we're going to tackle our border question without without threatening that agreement. And that, to my mind, is much more important than within Europe. Don't forget, I live through going in Europe, which yeah. is far more hassle-free. Mm-hmm we're going to we're going to lose a queen and you know a whole war generation which are cheesed off by going now we're we are we are european we live in europe we do we are we're, we're, there's no difference between us the difference is being in the politics but everybody else is sharing that view it's not just the uk uh, we need to boost Europe, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's outlived its usefulness. There has to be a currency of risk. There are lots of good things about the European setup, yeah. but, you know, we are now operating globally, but that doesn't mean to say it's going to threaten trade into Europe, you know, and they need, Europe needs
0: us as much as we need them, you know, and, it, and we get them really well. You know, yeah, it'll be interesting, especially as as we, as an industry, kind of make our own transitions. So,
2: you know, people always have problems delivering locally. Everybody yeah. tries to think global and deliver local, but whether you are need you or not, it's always going to be it's
0: always a hassle. Yeah.
2: It's
0: always local currency difficulties. Chris, this will be interesting. Chris, uh, if you don't know, uh, host a, a a chat every Sunday morning, Eastern Time. Um, make sure that we, we say that Eastern Time. You mm-hmm. uh, start at what seven a.m. Eastern, so eight a.m. Eastern on Sunday. Eastern. Mm-hmm. So I get seven a.m. my time. So. Um, as you're talking with folks, because folks all over the world mm-hmm. jump in on your chats. Um, we've met a number of them here, uh, both last year and this year, both. Um, what, do you, what do you think, I, I think, your biggest sense of going into the next year or two? Mm-hmm. Um, the US has its own issues, I won't get into those. Please, um, tariff questions, um, man. But, yeah, <laughs> um, and that's a whole other conversation too. Mm-hmm you know, what are people talking about? Is it, is it Brexit? Is it tariffs? Or is it, you know what, I've, I've got to figure out how to, how to make a sales presentation tomorrow morning to, to land this job.
3: Well, as you know, I try to stay away from the politics yes. as much as possible. And this is a fiery, fiery, fiery topic. I mean, uh, when I wake up at eight o'clock, excuse me, I wake up a lot earlier on Sundays. When I launch the, 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 the chat on Sunday mornings at eight o'clock, the first ones out are, are the people that are chatting that are coming in from Germany and from the UK. And a big chunk of AV and the AM's early conversations are, are starting here in Europe. And I let them go. I moderate. Depends on whatever question I'm putting out there. But almost on a weekly basis, a Brexit comic comes out. And they always break off into their side. And there's always a little discussion amongst themselves of what Brexit is going to do to impact it. Fortunately, AV and AM is not impacted by Brexit, and we have no trade tariffs <laughs> no. to worry about, so not yet. operate freely. But uh, yeah, there, there's, there's some concern. But um, a lot of the guys that are there, the people I'm talking to are not high-level CEOs, are not getting up. They're, they may be watching and lurking. Mm-hmm. I know you're out there. But the ones that are talking are the blue-collar workers. These are guys that are getting up every morning. Their biggest fear is, like anything else, the decisions made above. How is that going to impact their livelihood? Yeah, and that is a big concern. Whether they're voicing that on on social or privately offline, telling me that, you know, it's it, it is it is a concern for us in the states. We don't. It's hard for us to understand Brexit right now. Maybe years ago when we separated from you guys, I mean, that, that's probably, we we weren't around. We, we yeah we weren't around, but uh, and that was much messier. <laughs> and, that, and that was that that was a, a bit of a fight, but I could say that you know. Once you start getting into affecting a person's way of living, Mm -hmm. and the first thing, and I'm one of those, you know, if you're going to affect the way I can provide for my family, it sends me into panic mode, Mm -hmm. right? And you start preparing for that. So I guess from the bigger conversations, we all look at the high level, right? We all look at how companies are going to deal. As long as everybody just kind of takes a breath and understands that the technicians, the warehouse techs. The purchasing managers, the the people that are not on the front lines, may not be executives. They're the ones that are probably going to be hit mm, the hardest. Yeah. Similar to what you said, mm. you know, some of the the biggest concerns. Everybody's looking at very high level concerns, but how is it going to affect the the, the the small people? I don't think people mm. are vo- vocalizing that uh, just yet on AB and AM. I've gotten those uh, from the back, you know, mm. kind of on the on the side, and there is some genuine concern. But it's business as usual because that's what the companies are telling them. Business as usual, business as usual, but just like anything else, you kind of sleep with one eye open and wait and see what happens. And if this does go down, I think the tone will completely change and then people will get fiery, right?
1: I think at the end of the day, everyone's concerned about how does it affect me? Mm -hmm. Uh, And It's always the first question. Uh, Yes. You know, how it affects me also, how how it affects my company affects me too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, and maybe a lot of the issues on Brexit is, Misinformation, misunderstanding, mm-hmm. um, no real clarity about really what are the consequences you know of this or that on both sides, yeah. so I think there 's a lot of confusion that goes around and uh, and I think it 's really a wait and see at the moment yeah. everyone 's going to say okay what 's going to happen well a lot, lot there 's a
2: lot of dissatisfaction with everybody 's political systems at the mm-hmm. minute, so we 're having yeah. new <laughs> generations coming through three three generations removed from the old war generation that, that repe- repeated the status quo <clears> we all grew up in very disciplined and so on environment and now we're, we're, we're seeing people who are have very different views and don't want to do things differently uh, and are rethinking just how good our politicians are and whether our systems are fit for purpose or not. And quite frankly, um, you know, democracy is under quite a threat at the minute. Generally mm. speaking, because that not just because you, you speak more loudly doesn't mean to say you shouldn't get let the other side have an equal an equal say in what's going on. And actually, people forget that uh, you know a large number of people voted to come out, and that that's the thing that Parliament should be respecting rather than being held in contempt as it currently is, mm. uh, and delivering what the people voted for. And that would be the same for America, for mm. any other
3: country. So that's what I'm worried about. You- but I think, it's
2: a, I think it's a passing phase whilst they all grow up.
3: You're 100% right there. In yes. In the sense that my belief in po- politics is you can do whatever you want. You won't have a job yes. if it's up to me the next time. Because the way politics work is one thing behind closed doors. But the way democracy works, we go to, you know, we go to the polls. You mess up my livelihood, you're out of a job. Mm. Because the people will say and the people will speak. So yes. that's the way I look at it so go ahead you want to mess it up we'll fix it we'll throw you out and then we'll correct what you did wrong what, and, and fix it, mm-hmm. it. I, I, don't, what, I don't want to do that what
2: is coming out of it, there's much more scrutiny on the politicians that serve us you know mm-hmm. what their private interests are yes. who are they are who are they
0: responsible mm-hmm. to that's on both sides of the pond mm-hmm. absolutely you know we are, are of right? the pond both sides of the aisle you know mm-hmm. in, whether you're conservative yeah. or, or liberal yeah. yeah yeah
1: actually i have no vote i left the uk and I moved to Germany and yeah. because I'm not a German citizen, I can't vote in Germany. And because I've been out in the UK more than 10 years, I can't vote in the oh, UK oh. either.
2: That's, so a,
3: that's a bad position That's a, to a bad be position. You might, you might want to fix that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, right. it
2: well, <laughs> it was any conversation, I can't fit in the polling booth anyway.
0: Ow, ow, so it sort ow, of ow, solves ow, the problem. Ow, <laughs> Ours in the States are more open air. Yes. And we, I can still fit in mine. Wonderful. So, all right. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a, a fascinating conversation. Uh, Mr. Chris Neto, thanks for hanging out with me this thank week. Thank you. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you and or Steren? I, I, I will mention the fact that Staren is moving into Europe, has moved into Europe now. Uh, so I'll be interested to talk to you and, and our buddy Bobby Schwartz. Uh, see how that goes the next year.
3: Bobby's the man when you want to talk to, especially regarding the Brexit and all that sort of stuff. He's actually here. I, I did
0: uh, another
3: episode of my um, Executive Chair uh, with Bobby, so he'll be coming out about in another two, three months. So wait a minute, mm-hmm. is that what you call a tease? Yes, that's a tease. <laughs> Come on. I'm a professional. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, if you would like to find out more information about Starin, you can find us on the web at biz. Me, I'm on the internet. I'm easy to find. Chris yes, underscore Netto on Twitter. Uh, you can find me Sundays doing my uh, chores at uh, hashtag AV in the AM. And, uh, you know, thank you for, Claude, thank you for having us here in, in yeah. the UK. I love coming to Columbia. I hope you like our studio. It's it's. Your studios, come on, is it? Your, st- your studio's top-notch. We're, is we're,
2: we're, we're separated off from everybody. We're isolated splendidly in the, this room, I think. Is this where you
1: come to hide now? Sadly
2: not. Don't, do I, I, I have thought about having a snooze
0: occasionally, but I haven't, <laughs> Look, I haven't done that. You can have your coffee
3: in here in that nice you mug. Can. Yes, yeah. that's a good idea. That's, good, that's a good excuse.
0: <laughs> Mr. Cornwall, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or AV Magazine? Well, I
2: hope they don't get a hold of me. Thank <laughs> you. I'm faking a lot, course. Um, AVinteractive.com, uh, at AVMag on Twitter. Yes. And, um, you know, I suppose they'll be getting hold of me this evening at the AV Awards. Yes, sir. Uh, as indeed you as will As indeed. Be. <laughs> well, that's, that's the rumour. Um, why not? But I try and make myself scarce. Uh, usually most of the time. Yeah. i am sometimes seen them, sometimes
0: not. All
1: right best
2: way.
0: Mr. Blackman, thank you, sir. As thank you also. How do people get hold of you or uh, ISE or how do they register?
1: Well, to register, uh, registration is now open. Go to uh, iseurope.org. So remember I S E U R O P E Europe, that big place out there, uh, .org. Just mention Mike's name, <laughs> yeah. <you're fine. laughs> the other side of the rubber. The other side of the rubber. <laughs> We're still in. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can reach me at... Uh, um, on Twitter at uh, uh, ISE underscore Mike. Uh, Otherwise, uh, go to our website, come and join us. Be at ISE 11th to 14th of February in Amsterdam the last year. Come and enjoy Amsterdam.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll be there. Uh, You will be hanging out uh, probably the the Saturday or Sunday uh, beforehand. So thank you guys so much Uh, for us, for aviation. Don't for me. Don't follow me on the twitters um, because well, if you were on the twitters last night with uh, Mr. Neto and I, you somehow saw me in a tie dye shirt. So um, oh, tie dye, that, nice that one. Yeah, <laughs> check out the, t- Chris's uh, Periscope. So, uh, but seriously, go by the website aviation.tv. Aviation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Also, by the time this post, I mentioned the fact that Chris and I will both be back in New York uh, for New York Digital Signage Week, so that coverage will be there. Uh, as well, we'll be doing a live program from Dactronics in the middle of Times Square uh, Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern, so you can check that out So also while you're there. Check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week, and New York Digital Signage Week, and Resi Week, and ISE coverage uh, from Amsterdam in 2020. All that and more at avnation.tv, that's aviation.tv. thanks so much for listening, thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week i hey.